Welcome to CYC Podcast Discussions on Child and Youth Care, episode number 155. I'm Wolfgang Vashon. I'm recording this episode less than a week after the horrendous mass murder that happened at the El Nur Mosque and the Linwood Islamic Center in Christchurch. Over a month ago, I had invited our guest, Dr. Jen Couch, who lives in Australia, to speak with me about working relationally with youth who have refugee experience. The killings that recently happened has made this conversation seem all the more pressing. Dr. Couch is a senior lecturer in the Faculty of Education and Arts at the Australian Catholic University, which she came to after working extensively in the youth and community sectors of Australia and South Asia, including with many young people who had lived as refugees. Welcome, Dr. Couch, and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to have you here, and I and I think that this particular moment is particularly important for us to think about and reflect upon what what happened um, recently in uh, at the Al Nur Mosque in the Lim- Limwood Islamic Center, um, and how mm-hmm. this affects our relationships. And so, I want to ask you. What has been the impact with those you work with, either young people or other researchers, other community members, as a result of the murders that took place recently? Mm. Yes, thank you for asking about that, because it's been something that um, I guess has overshadowed the last week. As some of your listeners might know, Australia is very close to New Zealand um, uh, geographically, but we also have a lot of shared history together. Um, and so for us, it was, um, it hit very close to home. Also, the fact that the terrorist was an Australian. Um, and I guess um, it's been a week of immense grief. Uh, the communities that I work with and friends um, uh, who are Muslim and um, colleagues have all been completely shattered by what has happened. You know, I guess New Zealand is often seen, you know, by Australia as well, um, as kind of everything Australia is not in some ways. We we feel like we're living in a fortress in Australia at this point in time. Uh, New Zealand is the antithesis of that. It's open, it's welcoming, it's um, it's under leadership, which is compassionate. You know, the fact that this happened there was, you know, a real shock. But I will say that if you speak to the Muslim communities in New Zealand, they will tell you that they've been worried about something like this happening for quite a long period of time. They feel that the um, scrutiny on the Muslim community, particularly since 9-11, and immediately following 9-11, it was very much the Somali community who were under the uh, watch of security police and um, security services. Um, lots of stories of young people there being questioned without their parents and being rung and all kinds of things. And so they feel that the uh, scrutiny on them um, has been what's kind of taken place rather than, and they've been trying to say, we think you actually need to, you know, take into account white extremism Mm. um, and that their voice really hasn't been heard. So, 
you know, um, amongst the Muslim community, there's very much that um, feeling that the um, the gaze on in terms of terrorism has been misplaced somewhat or hasn't taken into account other forms of um, terrorism. And also, you know, then there's then there's just enormous grief. There's a lot of fear. Um, I was talking to a Muslim friend yesterday and she said she's just had to block all social media out, you know, this kind of thing. While it brings the community together and while many people in Australia and uh, New Zealand, but, you know, I can speak on behalf of Australia more, while there's been a real outpouring of, you know, love and support for the Muslim community, you know, this also raises hate speech as you know the the opening for hate speech as well so um you know pe- people are saying they just kind of need to block that out now and um yeah accept accept the support that's um you know that's being offered as a way of moving through uh, yeah mm-hmm. i can hear so clearly in your voice the you know the, the 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 pain and the the, the mm. difficulty that it is. Um, you know, one of the things you said was this idea of of a contrast with Australia. Australia being very much like a, a fortress, and and New Zealand mm. being very open. And certainly, the response of the Prime Minister of of New Zealand mm. has been uh, unlike any response we have seen in the world. I would say. Um, yes, I agree. Um, and I think it's quite, quite remarkable. You know, you, you do work in Australia and you've identified it, you know, much more like a fortress mentality. What, what is the, um, you know, the, the sense or the, the context of the, the refugee experience in Australia that, that where you work? Mm, well, I guess... Um where things are at now, uh, this is probably a debate which um, polarises the community um, and therefore has a real effect on young people who I work with in terms of feeling, I guess, a sense of belonging within Australia and I imagine we'll get to that after in our conversation. But uh, Australia has a conservative government um, in power and a government which... Um, has said from the onset that they uh, would not accept um, uh, refugees who uh, come by boat to Australia. Uh, So the situation in Australia is obviously because of how we are placed geographically um, with a lot of water around the whole country. Um, People uh, people tend, uh, refugees, um, asylum seekers, have often come by boat from um, Indonesia and uh, Southeast Asia. I will say this is a tiny proportion of our overall humanitarian intake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I came across your work um, from a chapter in a, in a book called The Sage Handbook of Youth Work Practice, and your chapter was titled Together We Walk, The Importance of Relationship in Youth Work with Refugee Young People. And, and we've been talking about rejection and and mm-hmm. fortress and and murder, and the other side of that is relationship. And and why is relationship important in work with 
young people who, who come as refugees? Well, the relationship between a youth worker and a refugee young person, I believe, is the foundation upon which any kind of effective or meaningful intervention sits. Um, uh, a lot of refugee young people um, through that experience have um, lost faith, particularly in adults. Um, you know, uh, a good youth work relationship reaffirms um, that relationship. It reaffirms safety for the young person. It gives them back dignity. It gives them back a sense of control. Um, it's a basis, really, um, for a allowing that young person's, you know, sense of security and value and trust, you know, in other people to grow. Um, you know, we know that, you know, it's, you know, that, well, we would say, you know, in our course anyway that I teach here, you know, that the relationship is the vehicle um, by which good youth practice occurs and it is... Um, it is what makes us different, I guess, than other professions who work with young people. Is the use of that um, uh, relationship. I mean, it's a it's a professional relationship, and it's a, one that we would say is probably um, intentionally limited in some ways. Yet, it is the vehicle by which um, growth um, growth happens, and it's it's the way which we, you know, which we do our work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This idea of the of the limited relationship, I I can imagine. Well, I I know I've worked with you know newcomers to Canada, some of whom mm. certainly were refugees, and 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 their community is very 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 small, and and mm. often you know the we as professionals, uh, you know, certainly initially, uh, you know, in many ways are their community. Um, and um, how, you know, how, how do we navigate that space around being such a crucial um, person in that young person's yeah. life um, with our own, all our own other you know, professional boundaries and obligations. Uh, and all that. <laughs> well, this, this is a really good question. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, and my colleague and I talk about it quite a lot because he comes from a very different background of um, youth work practice than me. A lot of most of his work has been with young people in care, uh, in care of the state, um, and so his relationship with those young people is bound by all kinds of things. Mine has, um, and I share this with my students, my work um, has often really pushed those boundaries and uh, probably not always in ways that, um, you know, if you looked in, you might say, you know, oh, really? <laughs> You're really driving to the other centre of Melbourne on Friday night to have dinner with, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> dinner with some kids or... Um, you know, you're taking them camping on your family holiday. You know, like, I mean, I can really, I, I, I can well, give you yes. lots of examples <laughs> where those boundaries have been very porous, for want of a better word. Yes. Um, but I actually think this is the kind of work that you really need to re-examine uh, those boundaries um, in terms of um, um, 
you know, building that relationship. Because one of the things is that, well, firstly, most young people will not have any understanding of, um, you know, what a youth worker does or a kind of a structured welfare system in any way. So, I mean, I always say to, you know, young people when I meet them, like, you know, um, you know, if you... Uh, in your country of origin, who would you go to for, you know, help or support? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they say, you know, a relative or a friend or... And so I try to explain that within the Australian context, I'm that person. Um, but my, my role is a little bit different because I'm, I'm paid to do it. And so therefore, you know, I'm not available 24-7 and all that kind of thing. But I think, um, you know, so much of a young person um, beginning to feel at home in Australia and beginning to rebuild kind of those um, relationships of trust, you need to kind of extend yourself as the worker beyond the kind of 9 to 5 or 10 to 6 or whatever you work Um and you need to do things like, you know, share meals, meet the family, spend time with the family. Um, um, and, you know, that's something that, you know, as youth workers, we haven't always, you know, been great at because, you know, the priority is always the young person. Um, uh, but it's really important, I think, with um, newly arrived um, young people to actually get to know the family and see the young person within their family context if they're here with their family. If they're not here with their family um, and they're unaccompanied, then yes, then it, then it's it's tricky terrain because, you know, you have a young person, you know, in front of you who is alone, who has lost everything and you want to help, I guess, re rebuild some of that faith in humanity um, but it often it often it is impossible for that to happen within the kind of the normal working hours um, so there needs to be some um, I guess some flexibility there um, yeah I don't really know to be honest <laughs> to be honest I don't really know how we navigate that and for every worker that will be different um, yeah but you know all the all the refugee work youth workers that I work with now um, will talk about the need to kind of rethink I guess traditional practice and um, you know how how we can best respond to the young people within their you know within their particular you know circumstances. Mm -hmm. yeah, I know there's certainly uh, increasing conversations. I would say in in youth work and child and youth care. Uh, you know, and working with young people, this idea of of disengaged youth work around mm. you know street youth work of of really shifting how we understand our role and and you know our place in community and inviting people into community with us and and what that means and and uh you know i've I, you know i known young people now at this point in time for you know 10 15 plus years and and so i you know and and they they have they have grown and you know they've had children and they've gotten married and they've you know gotten mm. jobs and and they've gone to college and they've done this and they've done that and 
and uh, you know and, and so my relationship with them shifts over that time of course right and and so what mm. what are those boundaries and you know certainly mm. you know i've had situations over the years where you know worked in agencies that said well you cannot you're not allowed to talk to somebody for you know two years or three years or five years after they you know leave the program or after you leave the the place right and you know right. what does that what does that do um you know mm. and particularly if you're talking about you know someone who, who has refugee experience who who has those yes traumas i mean some Sometimes I've, I've been thinking about this because, um, you know, my son plays on a basketball team where, you know, there's a high um, proportion of Sudanese young men playing mm-hmm. and his and his basketball coach will never listen to this, so I can... <laughs> <laughs> I can <laughs> his basketball coach is very, um, you know, believes in a really tough love kind of approach. He's not a youth worker, he's a basketball coach. And um, he um, basically has this thing with the kids where, you know, if you don't, he's linked their school attendance at the local school to being able to play basketball. And uh, my son came home the other day and said, my God, you know, you should have seen what happened. Like this kid, and it wasn't the other day, it was last year. Um, But he he said, um, you know, uh, he hasn't been at school for two days and, um, you know, he was chucked off the team. And he was trying to explain, and they said, no, no, no. And I said, okay, well, you know, you watch this kid. You know, you watch him mm-hmm. um, slide down now, wrench, and, you know, oh, that's my son's name. So you, you watch him disengage now because basketball is one of the only ways that a young black man can have validation in this country, um, you know, is through sport quite often. Mm-hmm. Within, you know... A really short period of time, this kid was, um, you know, involved with um, juvenile justice. And and then it just kept going and going. I kept hearing stories about him. And then there was a huge kind of brawl that happened between um, a group of Sudanese kids and some Islander kids. And um, this kid was run over and he lost his leg. And, um, you know, I just thought, you know, this is... (sighs) You know, I'm I'm regretful on my part that I didn't kind of step in, but I didn't I didn't have the role there to step in. I, I'm not a practicing youth worker. I'm an academic now. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's a lot of regret about that. Um, about that kind of um, yes, we must invite you know young people into you know um, into community and. Um, you know, stand alongside them on this journey because he was basically flung out, flung out, and it was just kind of hoped that somehow he'd learn a lesson from this. Whereas, you know, what was needed was, you know, um, some really deep engagement with this young person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that come up, comes up for me in that story is this idea of of unconditional space, right? W- w- yeah. You know, this... this you know, where is the place where there's something that somebody cares about that that's, that is, that it, we're not going to take that away from you. This is, this is what gives you meaning. And no matter what you do, mm-hmm. you have access to this because we know how important this is to you, you know, as opposed Absolutely. to this is so important to you. So we're going to use it as this tool to, 
coerce you into behaviors that we want you to perform. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this is the thing when, you know, people without youth work training, you know, think that they're youth workers um, on one hand, but it's also, yeah, is, um, you know, it just, I think, I don't know where I got cut off, but, uh, you know, um, when there is so little validation for who you are in a society and the one thing that can make you feel good about yourself is um, sport, you know, that is the last thing you'd think you'd be taking a kid away from. Um, but anyway, you know, it just it just reaffirmed to me the importance of, and, you know, young people have told talked to me when, you know, I've asked them, you know, what is a good youth worker to you? You know, they talk about... Um, they talk about that non-judgment. They talk about, you know, you know, a quiet availability um, of the youth worker to kind of just be be there with them, you know, um, in that in that space. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's so great that that non-judgmental availability to be able to mm. be there with them. Um, we're, we're, believe it or not, we're, we're, we're almost at time. It feels like we're just getting started here. I've probably rabbited on quite a bit. <laughs> no, no, it, it's been, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. I, I, I just, I, I, you know, we had lots of different points that we, we considered talking about and, 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 and I wanted to ask, are there, are there any points in particular that, that, you know, you want to touch on before we, we end our conversation today? I guess um, I want to talk about one thing, and that's kind of um, reframing, um, you know, how we work with young people from a needs perspective mm-hmm. to a rights-based perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think this is... I was thinking about this this morning, and I think it's, you know, really important... Um, you know, I think as youth workers, we need to reflect always on the convention on the rights of the child. And, you know, there's those, you know, um, aspects to the convention, you know, safety, shelter, um, etc. I think underpinning our practice, there needs to be this, um, you know, ex- acknowledgement that young people have been exposed to a continuum of human rights abuses mm-hmm. um, within their lives. And therefore, they actually need more than kind of um, a welfare-driven kind of notion of needs. They need to know that they have the right, um, you know, to settle in a country safely. Um, they've got a right to a normal life, and that's a right for all of us. I think Jacinta Ardern's been really um, great in this with, um, you know, the New Zealand example, reaffirming, you know, that you have a right to these things. Um, it changes then if we take that kind of, you know, as part of our, you know, if that underpins our practice, it actually changes the relationship somewhat between you and the young person. Um, I think it makes it a little bit more, um, if, I mean, if it can be even, and it kind of... Uh, allows it, it's the basis on which you can actually begin um, building a, a, a good connection with a young person. So, you know, I, I think that's something. You know, it's um, 
uh, it's um, useful for us to think about because I don't know about in Canada, but in Australia, refugee young people are seen as to, they're either seen as passive victims, um, you know, poor kid kind of thing, or they're seen as a threat to society. Um, And we actually need to kind of shift both those discourses um, and say, no, these are young people with enormous amount of resilience and who have the right to these, um, to these, um, to being able to, you know, belong in our country, our country as in all of us, and that that should be the basis upon which you then begin building, you know, a connection with young people on which all the other aspects of the relationship will grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think that 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 shift from a, a social welfare to human rights. I, 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 you know, when I was reading your work and and reading about it, the, 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 some things started to to click for me about how um, how I perceive or how I teach or how I engage mm. with notions of care and 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 notions of. Of, of of being in relationship and and I, and it was it was a quite a provocative um, and wonderful um, you know this isn't how you mean it but how I took it was a, a challenge for me to really reconsider what it what it means to to in the work right and how do I operate from a from a, a rights based perspective um, what does that mean as opposed to this this social welfare. Uh, based perspective, and, and I, I, I think that that's a. I agree with you. It's a really, really important point to consider um, in our work. Yeah, and I mean, care is care is important within that. Like you mm-hmm. know, young people say all the time. You know, they'll be talking about a, a teacher they've had or a um, you know youth worker they've had, and they'll many of them will kind of say, you know. You know, I love her. You know, she cared for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and when mm-hmm. I kind of unpicked that, what 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 was care for you? It's not care as in the you know provided three meals a day and a roof over my head and everything. But you know, they talk about that. You know, being there, being consistent. You know, being real, being authentic. You know, um, so that the connections are made on that person to person level, and it's there. It's in that space actually that the boundaries that are so often, you know, seen in youth work as so essential become much more widespread, Indeed. Um, you know, yeah. and, you know, encompassing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's for another. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, and, I, and I think what, what, you know, how can we, how might coming from a, a rights-based perspective uh, allow us to reimagine what boundaries mean and what relationship means and, and how might that allow us to maintain our sense of self in a more, in a, in a different way of, of relating to those we work with. So yeah. much to think about, Jen. And mm. I'm so, mm. so. Always. Uh, yes, always, always, always. <laughs> That's what makes the work interesting. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely. Fascinating, endlessly fascinating. Um, yes. I, I want to thank you so, so much for. Um, for joining me today, for having this conversation, for your for your work, I'm I'm really appreciative of, of having found it. I've 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 quite enjoyed going through some of your pieces since I've um, since I've I've come across your work, and uh, and Thank particularly you. in this uh, you're welcome, and particularly in this this moment in um, in time, I, I think this mm. conversation is particularly crucial. So thank you Absolutely. for coming yeah. today. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.